the love for this sport, you know, um, I just love what I'm doing. It's my passion. So I really, really enjoy it. It's not, you know, about the money because there's no money really free diving. So I really love it. It's episode 61 of Dive in the Podcast with special guest Mirella Kardashevich. Dive in the Podcast is a weekly all about diving podcast for everyone. Whether you explore the oceans as a snorkeler, scuba diver, free diver, or tech diver, diving has something for you. The show is filled with diving news, feature interviews with guests from around the world, interesting dive topics, and ocean advocacy. Visit DiveInPod.com to find out more about the show, past guests, and our Patreon page. Hi everybody, I'm Justin. I'm Nick, and in today's Think Blue segment, we talk about this year's World Ocean Day. I'm April, and tonight I will tell you about the first woman to complete a 300-meter test dive on dive girls around the world. I'm Amit, and we're the hosts of Dive in the Podcast. And last week, we spoke to Gary McGraw, a British freediver. Uh, what did you guys think of the interview? I thought he was another fun freediver. You know, all these freedivers, I love their interviews because they're just also passionate. I mean, granted, we interview lots of passionate people on this podcast, but uh, the freediving passion is a little, has a little slightly different twist, a slightly different feel. And, and he was, uh, you know, he was a great guy. And, and he's competing right now, right? As we record this podcast, he's out in a competition. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think the first day of the comp was yesterday and he made it down to 112, but uh, had some issues on the way on the turn and on the, on the surface. So, um, got disqualified from that dive. So, technically, he matched depth wise the record, but he has mm-hmm. to do it like clean to, to count. Apparently, there's a lot of current. He bounced off the lines a couple of times. I uh, took a rest day, I believe it was today. So mm-hmm. he's, I'm sure he's going to try it again, but he's, he's a strong diver. He's been doing really well. So really wish him all the best of luck. Tonight we're speaking to Mirela Kardashevich. Mirela is a Croatian freediver, multiple world record holding freediving champion, an ambassador for Molchanov's freediving brand and education system. We'll officially start our interview in a couple of minutes, but before that, we've got some news. Got a couple of things to chat about on our new segment tonight. First thing we wanted to chat about was the tragic death of 18-year-old Linnea Mills in Glacier National Park in Montana in the USA. Details still are still a little hard to parse out. The lawsuit is easy enough to read online, but it's 115 pages long and it's the complaint. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to figure out what exactly happened. But it looks like a large factor was is Linnea was on an advanced open water course in a brand new dry suit with uh, no training on the dry suit and no inflator hooked up. And one thing led to another. And uh, it appears like this tragedy seems like it could have been easily prevented by calling the dive at any number of times along the way. Well, I think if if uh, any of these allegations, you know, are proven in court, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the document itself makes for some pretty shocking reading. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's some there's a lot of questions there. And obviously, we don't want to speculate, but um, I think it should be maybe a wake up call for anybody that's teaching, right, to maybe make sure they're doing everything and anything they can to that things are safe and students know what they're they're getting into and know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah and I think it speaks to this idea of like, uh, well the responsibility of the people who are running those courses to be able to take those steps. I mean, ultimately nothing is going to bring her back. And I mean, you know, thoughts are really with the parents and friends uh, of Linnea at this point, but it is one of these things where the lawsuit, good, bad, or otherwise can generate potential positive change. And, you know, I think I've seen a few posts surrounding this that, uh, you know, the idea of like just culture 
like they do in the aviation industry and things like that being a, a factor that can actually lead to to better outcomes in the scuba industry as well. And so, you know, I don't I don't want to say that lawsuits are always the way forward, but you know, potentially if they're the way that we have to generate change now, that's a good thing. But maybe there are other ways to ensure that change is going to happen regardless of what's happening because of like uh, a change in mindset overall. So yeah, hmm. tragic for sure. Our thoughts are with Linnea's family and uh, we hope we get some closure on this case and her family gets some closure on this case. And lastly tonight, we wanted to chat about free divers in Vancouver, British Columbia here in Canada found illegal crab traps while free diving for crabs, which you can do recreationally there. They had noticed recently there had been lower numbers in the areas where they like to dive for crabs. And on this most recent dive, they stumbled along a line and they followed the line and located about 30 illegally placed crab traps. Traps had no GPS buoy. They had no rot line that lets crabs out if the traps are lost. So Chris Sampson and Kianzo, the divers that located the traps, contacted the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. And subsequently, DFO removed over 250 traps from the area, all there illegally. There is a CBC News article linked in the show notes so you can find out more. But man, poachers, they are just the worst, aren't they? Yeah, and I mean, like, they're adding insult to injury because they're not even using the proper types of lines. So imagine you do actually lose that. It's one thing that you're poaching, which you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Mm -hmm. But So then you, you end up losing your buoy and you can't retrieve it. And you've just basically, like, killed everything now that you've mm -hmm. illegally trapped. And there's zero uh, benefit to anything or anyone, really. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, just, yeah. yeah. It just adds injury to insult or what it insult does. to injury or whatever that saying is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but at least they so, were caught in this case. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you know, DFO's got a lot of powers. Uh, so hopefully they're seizing fishing vessels and what have you. And, you know, if they're able to like they, actually they said it's, someone. It's really challenging to figure out because uh, they get picked up at night under the cover of darkness. They just mm. get GPS coordinates and they roll up, boat up, I guess, and uh, yank them out and, and disappear off in the darkness. And mm. I would take probably some paramilitary effort to track down who's doing mm -hmm. these things but apparently it's a it's a big deal and every year they there's a whole series of uh of searches that they do for these illegal crab traps and pull out thousands a year it's crazy wow yeah and i mean it's it's bad for the fishery but it's also bad for you know those that are fishing legally and paying all the, mm -hmm. their dues you know and licensing and all of that and, and are you know somebody's there obviously fishing illegally and taking advantage mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. most definitely hopefully um you know if you're if you're a diver and you see anything fishy <laughs> in your area make sure you report it to the local local fisheries and uh, make sure we don't uh, you know stop poaching wherever we can that's it for the news today it's time to dive in with morella kardashevich so which part of the world are you from, Mirella? Uh, I'm from Croatia and I live in the main uh, city of Croatia, which is Zagreb. Nice. What was your, your first memory of the water? Uh, well, it's probably from my childhood when I was uh, little in the sea, when I was with my parents and stuff. And then uh, I started uh, swimming at the early age because um, I had problems with, uh, with my right hip. So I had like three surgeries and then swimming was one of the therapies uh, that, they, they, that they have given me. So um, that's basically why I started swimming. So I guess from, from little, from nice. when I was little. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're a water baby. I am for sure. <laughs> um, and then you, 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 you took that swimming on, right? For when you were a little later on in life and you were a competitive swimmer, is that correct? 
uh, yes, uh, uh, I suffered from the illness when I was five. So I had those three surgeries and which like took for like two years. And then I started basically swimming when I was like six, seven years old. And then it was a ther therapy till like 10, 11. And then from 11 years old, I started to competing, you know, at a certain age and whatsoever. And I was swimming till I was 21 years old. Wow. Did you, did you enjoy like swimming? Oh yeah. Like that was mm, for sure. My first love. I love to be in the water and uh, the feeling of it because I couldn't run or jump when I was uh, little because of uh, my hip. So basically I could be normal like the rest of the kids uh, in the water. So that's why I loved it so much. Oh, that's an amazing story. Yeah. Um, you, you didn't come to discover freediving until, until much later in, in 2017. What did you do in between? Uh, yes, I discovered freediving when I was like 29. I started freediving when I was 30. Mm -hmm. uh, in between, uh, I had two kids. <laughs> so I was being a parent and I finished uh, my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. So I was basically being a mom and a student and working. So yeah. So you're being a proper adult. Yes, at twenties, <laughs> in my twenties. <20s. laughs> there you go. Um, and, and how did you how did you first come to discover freediving? Uh, well, I started to swim, uh, like recre recreational at the pool, uh, because I haven't done sport in like almost eight years. I haven't been to the pool in eight years when I started, uh, stopped uh, swimming. So I started doing it on my own. And then I saw those freedivers there and it, it looked very interesting. And I was like, what are they doing? Like, what is that? And then I always loved to be underwater and diving and everything. When I was a swimmer, underwater kicks were like my best thing. So I, uh, I went to see like if there are some clubs how can i join i went to see the their nationals so i can see how the competition looks and then i joined then i started and then i fell in love uh, right away and it just felt good to be in the water again and underwater and then you know i found myself again basically yeah that's that's awesome um and then yeah. you, you went on you went on to compete pretty quickly after you, you started freediving. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that after, but, um, mm -hmm. was there a moment when you, when you were freediving that you thought this is a sport for me? Is there a moment when it clicked in your head? I don't know. Uh, I'm very competitive. So I think when I saw that, when they told me that I'm a talent, I was like, okay, I'm, I'll have to see what I can do. So I put all my effort in my first year and a half to see if it's worth putting that much time into it since I don't have a lot of free time. And then it, it turned out that it's, you know, worth it. And then I continued. So yeah, I think it's basically me being competitive and wanting to push myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. I mean, Croatia does have a, a history in competitive freediving. What, what is the community like there? Oh, yeah, we have a lot of uh, great freedivers, uh, being Goran Cholak and Carla Fabrio, uh, Vitomir, uh, Vanya Pelesh, Budimir. So uh, even though like we are very small, but uh, we don't have like some great conditions and, or stuff like that. But, um, you know, we support each other and uh, we basically we train a lot and then we are really focused on what we are doing. So, yeah. Yeah, we That's wish we had like some some better conditions and and <laughs> conditions or support from Croatia, which which is getting better and better. So I think we are going, doing a good job. Yeah, freediving is always a little bit of a niche sport, right? That that's hard to get yeah. recognized. <laughs> and I yeah, think that's, for sure. that's true almost anywhere you go. Yeah, that's true. Is the ocean not a not great to, to freediving in Croatia? Is it just not for depth? 
No, it is good. It's just that we cannot go to the sea basically till like June, July because it's very cold. So uh, I start depth diving in July. So I have a short time to prepare for it. So I haven't competed in depth in two years. And this year I'm going to train for like two and a half months uh, on Island Beast because the conditions, they are perfect, even though we have a thermocline, but you know, it teaches you well for other like competitions. <laughs> so when you go to, for example, Kash, you don't feel anything and it's amazing to dive. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the world championship in depth as well in Kash this year. Oh, nice. Lovely. Yeah. So, so most of the freediving in Croatia would be, would be in the pools then, right? Well, yeah, because, you know, mm. we don't have opportunity to train depth sure. for a long time. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed on your website, you also have like training camps. Are you also an instructor? I mean, I will become instructor soon, but I'm having a Indigo Freediving Fest. Last year I had it first time, and then this year I'm having it again. I'm having a lot of uh, Mochanov's instructors there, and the main instructors are Alexei and Samo Eranko and Sofia Gomez and me. So there will be a lot of workshops and like uh, diving and uh, diving to wrecks and everything. So last year was a big success. Success. So I'm looking forward it to to happen again this year. That's nice. It's amazing you got to do that uh, during the pandemic, right? That must be a bit of a challenge. Yeah, last year it for sure was. But, you know, um, yeah, last year in Croatia during summer, there was no corona. So people not afraid to come, which I hope is going to happen this year as well, especially on Island Vis because it's an island. So it's like a lot less people. So it's very safe uh, environment there. But it was like stressful, but I still enjoyed it and it was people were happy. So that makes me happy. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, it's, I hope, I hope you have a success again this year. Um, Thank you. I think all the free divers out there are looking for, for something to do and somewhere to go, right? <laughs> With everything that's going on. I know. On. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't traveled in so long too. So <laughs> even traveling in Croatia is fun. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. yeah. No. We get to, we get to yeah. appreciate our own, our own backyards. Yeah, that's true. So on a, on a different note, you've, you've also taken part in like adverts for MasterCards and you've got uh, some campaigns for free sponsors. And, mm-hmm. and as well, I've saw, I saw a little video, but you did a campaign on mental health and depression. So you've, you've done mm-hmm. some advertising sort of appearances or modeling. Is that, is that right? Yes, I have. They they have uh, always called me and I was very happy, you know, to join because it's a promotion of free diving and myself and everything. So I think it helps overall uh, for everybody. And, you know, it was not easy being a model because I'm not a model, but, you know, it was fun for sure. A great experience, you know. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Most freedivers uh, don't don't make a living full time from, from freediving. Do you, do you have a yeah. good job? Uh, yes, I work from home for a marketing agency from America because I went to um, to college in America. So I've been working there for like eight years now. And uh, yeah, it's hard to live only from freediving. So I have to have a job because I have a kids too. So I have to have like a certain income monthly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's yeah, that's uh, that's true for most people that want to freedive full, yeah. full time. Yeah, well, yeah, well it's, sure. it's good. It's great that you can you can make it work um, and find time for mm-hmm. freediving. Yeah, it is. It's a busy schedule, but um, I make it, yeah. Organization is everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with more from Mirela Karacevic. Mm-hmm. 
Hi everyone, I just wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor Torpedo Rays Scuba. Torpedo Rays is a local dive shop in Nova Scotia. If you're not in Nova Scotia, that's okay. They've got a wonderful website, torpedorays.com, T-O-R-P-E-D-O-R-A-Y-S.com. All of the scuba gear you could ever need is there. If you can't find it, give Jason a call, 902-481-0444, and he'll be happy to help you out. And these challenging times, it's always great to shop local, don't go to a huge big box help support your local dive shop buy something you've had your eye on excellent time to make a good deal buy a gift certificate to use later whatever the case may be torpedo rays and torpedorays.com will be there for you once again their number is 902-481-0444 or torpedorays.com hi it's annie de souza and i'm the dive brand manager at light emotion and you're listening to dive in the podcast Welcome back to Dive In the Podcast. We're speaking to Mirella Kardashevich, a multiple world record holding Croatian freediver and Maltronov's ambassador. So Mirella, you've competed mostly in dynamic, is that correct? Uh, yes, I've been competing in dynamic. Mostly this year I started, I, I've done uh, static twice. So I've been doing that as well. It's a discipline that I'm trying to learn to love because <laughs> it's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I'm getting there. I think that in like two years I'll, I'll, I'll get there where I want to be. So, you know, step by step. <laughs> okay. So you're trying, trying new things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is it? What is it about dynamic apnea that, that, sort of you like the most or what draws you to it i think it's that like it's um going beyond those like limits that you think that you can do so it's just like it's not easy of course to dive it there's certain pain and discomfort and like mental mind games that your mind plays with you um I just enjoy basically the silence, pushing myself, believing myself when, you know, um, some negative thoughts may become there to overcome those thoughts. So I think it's like learning about myself a lot and, uh, you know, basically trusting, trusting myself. Hmm. You've also mentioned that you've done some depth and you train for depth or are there any, is there any discipline that you train for specifically? Uh, yes, I've trained for depth. I've been to two competitions in depth. Uh, I have CNF is my favorite and Bifins for sure. What about CNF? CNF. I, I just feel the most free there. So mm. I really like it. it. Yes, it's the physically and mentally the hardest, but I just enjoy the freedom because I don't have any fins on and stuff. So I really, really love it. So I think that's my favorite discipline in depth and then Bifins and then Monofin. Free immersion, I don't like. It's For me, it's like static. It's boring and slow. So I like to be a little <laughs> faster and you know, have things happening. So yeah. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, at the end of March, you, you set uh, two new world records for CMAS and, and bifins, uh, dynamic apnea with bifins, so 231 mm-hmm. meters and dynamic apnea, no fins at 206 meters. So congrats. Yes. Um, Thank you. Ha- <laughs> you're welcome. How many world records do you hold now in total? Uh, I broke six world records now. Six. Uh, that's pretty impressive. That must feel good. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, I'm always happy when I break a record, but uh, you know, I don't, it I doesn't make me too satisfied. I like to keep moving, and you know, I want always more. So yeah. When when you first started freediving competitions, because you you had mentioned you you're competitive by nature, did you always intend mm-hmm. on breaking a world record? 
Well, you know, I think that's always in the back of your mind. <laughs> so I think you, there's like a goal that you want to go forward to. And then, you know, you get closer and closer to it. And when it's so close, you know, you want to achieve it. But I don't stop there. Um, my goal is not just world record. It's like I look, I look beyond it. So, yeah, my first competition was in 2017 summer. It's like when I started training uh, freediving. We went to European Championship in cash in depth. And I've done CNF there and jump blue, and I won through, uh, two bronze medals. Um, CNF, I did 58 meters, and jump blue, I forgot what I did, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just, uh, I was just actually looking up. I, I didn't know what jump blue was until a, a minute ago. Can you, can you tell us a bit about that? Jump blue doesn't exist anymore. There was, it was the last time they did it in 2017. It's basically those, you have like a square. I think it's at 15 meters depth and then you just go around that square. So it doesn't really go into like depth diving. That's why I think they removed it. So it's been, I don't know. I never done it. I, I never done it or trained it. The first time tried it at the competition. It's kind of fun, but um, yeah, it's not depth. So I think that that's why they removed it. It sounds like they were trying to do something different, huh? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I didn't know. I just joined freediving, so I said, okay, let me try it, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's funny, because I literally just watched a video about it, and yeah, it's just somebody yeah. going around in a square. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you mm -hmm. have to put, like, a little thing on the rope when you surface. So, yeah, there's a lot of things happening when you are diving it, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool, though. It, gets, uh, yeah. it gives you something different to think about, right? Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. I imagine you, you must do quite a lot of training to set world records. Um, what mm -hmm. what is um what do you do to train and and how do you prepare for an event? Well, uh, there's like different phases of training, of course. Uh, now this is my basically last phase for for the world championship, but I train six times a week, whether if it's pool or gym or stretching and stuff like that. But uh, I train with uh, Mateusz Malina. He's my coach, so I follow whatever he tells me. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. I do hate him sometimes, but uh, it's good. Yeah, his trainings are great. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, having a coach must push you a lot harder, right? Then. Yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to train with no coach because, um, you know, when it gets hard, then it's hard to judge. But, you know, a coach always knows like what you have to do and everything else. So he really pushes you. So, yeah, you know, he's a great coach. That's awesome. So for, for a lot of people swimming more than 50 or even 40 meters on the water is difficult. And this podcast goes kind of to everybody, you know, free divers and scuba divers. So. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always interested to tackle this question. Uh, at what point does it become difficult for you when you're doing a dynamic apnea? When it comes difficult, well, of course, like those contractions are really never easy. So I get contractions pretty early in dynamic no fins. I get them around 65 meters. And then with dynamic, with, with fins, with monofin or bifin, I get them around 75 meters. So I dive pretty long time with those contractions. Uh, so that's the, the hardest part for me. But uh, I, I learned to accept those contractions and, uh, you know, they are basically helping me to go further. So, you know, you have to accept accept them and train certain sets uh, for you to tolerate them better during the long dive. Is there, is there, is there more to, to overcoming those challenges or is it just about just accepting it and, and pushing through? Well, yeah, I think it's mental and proper training sessions in the pool. So, you know, they're never going to be easy, you know, never. You just have to, you know, this is, that's kind of a sport, you know, 
it, it will be, you know, if the whole dive was like a uh, beginning of the dive when there's nothing happening, then it would be an easy sport. But this is really hard because those contractions are not easy. And then especially when the lactic acid also enters the body, then just like your whole body is hurting, but you're still like going for, for further and pushing yourself. So, yeah, you just have to accept it and it doesn't get easy. <laughs> How how do you do it? Is it um, I mean, th- th- at some point your your brain must your head must a voice in your head must tell you you can just give up now, right? Uh, well, of course, yeah. Sometimes it happens, but um, I'm stubborn, so <laughs> I don't <laughs> listen to that voice. Uh, it's just like it's overcoming that voice, you know. I um, I hear it, or I um, how do you say? Mm, I acknowledge it, but then I move on from it. So I don't uh, let it uh, ruin me or control me, you know, because I don't spend too much time thinking of that thought. I move on to maybe thinking more of a technique or, you know, turn or something like that, speed. So I move on from that negative thought to a positive thing. So just basically when I'm diving, I try not to think about anything to enter that flow state more easily, which uh, I'm lately for the past year i'm entering entering more easily and easily and then i'm really um, enjoying those dives even though when when they're hard i enjoy them more and more that's really interesting yeah i was um i was talking to, to a friend not too long ago who does really long statics and Mm-hmm. I, I think I asked him, like, how does he get through the hard times? And he's like, I don't find it difficult. I actually really enjoy it. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah. nice to see that parallel. Yeah. I think it comes, you know, with training and stuff. And then it's maybe training your mind, your brain, and then you really start to enjoy the pain, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there, are there any lessons from, from these challenges and, and sort of, dealing with, with, uh, you know, that kind of difficulty on the water that you, you find in everyday life? Well, I think the, I mean, freediving basically taught me to listen to my intuition and trust myself more. So, um, the challenges are like, for sure, like in an everyday life, when something stressful happens, I do not uh, react like explosive anymore. You know, I stay calm and then I make a, like a, a good decision. So if it, it has for sure helped me to be more calm in everyday life, when maybe I would react before, like not good or explosive and stuff like that. That's interesting. Do you have any other goals for other records uh, on the horizon? Uh, we don't have any competitions now. Uh, we have the next competition is uh, the World Championship in Belgrade, which is from the June 21st till June 27th. So nothing before that because of Corona, we don't want to travel too much. And, you know, as foreigners, we should not go to like different um, competitions of like France or Italy and stuff like that. So basically now for a month and a half, a little more, I'm just preparing for the World Championship. And uh, do you do you have any plans for that, or or you you don't want to talk about that? <laughs> I'm just gonna do my best I can, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to to looking at uh, to see see what the results are, uh, and wishing thank you all you. the best for that competition. Thank you, thank you. You're also a, a Malchanov's brand ambassador, is that right? Mm-hmm. How, yes, yes, I'm a Malchanov's ambassador. Mm-hmm. How did you first get involved with with uh, with Malchanov's? 
Well, I actually met Alexei first time when I went to my first competition in Kash. He was there uh, for that competition, and I met him. And he liked he uh, liked my dives. I mean, he saw that I'm new and that I I had like good results and everything. And then he he asked me if I wanted to be ambassador, and I was like, you know, yeah, for sure. You know, the equipment is so expensive, and his equipment is like the best one. So I was like very happy that he wanted me to be the ambassador. So what is your role as an ambassador for Malchinovs? What, what does that involve? Uh, well, it's uh, promoting the, the equipment, uh, promoting the Malchinovs education, and then uh, doing stuff, some stuff that they send me and stuff like that. But, you know, they are a great community and uh, all the people that uh, I communicate on like weekly basis, you know, they're really into it. So it's like a big family. So I really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping to do my crossover at some point with with Matt Duvo in Mexico, but uh, oh, okay, yeah, cor- yeah. coronavirus <laughs> sort of held up those plans. I uh, know, I yeah. know. <laughs> it's, no, it's, you should. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really like the idea of the, um, mm. yeah, the the system and the, um, the 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 support in between the levels that you can, exactly, you can have yeah. for students. And then we, I, mm. I help run a club here in Halifax and. One mm-hmm. of the big challenges is that we don't have a lot of depth, so there's not a lot of room for people to sort of develop the depth to become mm-hmm. a freediving instructor with another agency. Because, yeah. most of, but with Malchinovs, you can just become a pool instructor, which would be great. Yeah, for, exactly. For small clubs like ours, yeah. Um, is, yeah. is there any particular equipment that you favor in, in uh, for training for Malchinovs? Well, I mean, what I wear for training, I like wear at the competitions. So I'm really looking forward to try the core base silicone bifins that they're now like uh, put put. I think it's not even in uh, sale yet. It's like pre-sale now. So I'm really looking forward to that. But like, I love uh, the bifins. Uh, they're definitely the best ones out there. And the new model of the monofin is amazing. It's like very different from other ones. So I really love it. And wetsuit for me is the best because it has custom size measure and I wear a two-piece um i had a one piece before but like two piece for me like is the best because um i get cold fast and then when it's custom no water comes in so i really you know my temperature doesn't change and you know it does everything that it's supposed to during the dive yeah those custom wetsuits are, are kind of the way to go huh <laughs> yeah they are for sure <laughs> for sure <laughs> Quick question, because you you, you talk about um, so those new silicone fins, which I saw, they mm-hmm. look pretty cool. Um, yeah, they're cool. A, a lot of a lot of free divers start off, and often they don't have like either the money mm-hmm. or they they don't want to spend the money on 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 the set of equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what would you recommend to a new free diver just starting out? Well, then for sure, this base, that's why they developed this base section uh, with like those little uh, silicone fins. And then they have like those fiberglass uh, bifins, which are also cheaper than the more expensive ones. They have a training wetsuit, which is also like cheaper than the performance wetsuit. So, you know, it's acceptable for everybody, for competitive freedivers and the beginners. So for sure, they should start with the more cheaper stuff. And then as they develop, they should... um, uh, they should, you know, get a little more expensive stuff because yeah, it is expensive, but it's worth it because you're going to have that for like five years and even more, especially fins, you know? Yeah, for sure. A lot of new freedivers, they like to, you know, go for the big long fins right away. Do you, and, and I know I've trained with the short fins. Do you train in short fins in the pool? I train, but not really so much Only if I have like some swimming like sessions and stuff like that. Um, I mean, people should, uh, have uh, small fins at the beginning because that way they're going to focus more on technique easier to get the learn proper technique. 
but then <clears throat> switching to <clears throat> long bifins um, it's gonna take them some time to learn because uh, it's a bigger fin so it's gonna be harder on the legs so um you know, starting right away from the with the big fins, I think it's not the way because they're gonna lose the the um, the, the learning process of the technique. You know, because it's way different with small fins than with big fins. And as for example, some people do let's say 125 meters with small fins, and then they put the big fins, and then they do 100 meters because their legs are burning. So yeah, it, it's like very different. So you know, they have to start with small and then move to the big fins. Wow, that's a that's a really interesting perspective. I I often try to explain that to some people, and I never mm-hmm. find the right words. So I appreciate that. <laughs> so you you have a pretty cool Instagram. Um, well, I don't you. know if you wanted to share uh, with people where people can look you up online, either your website or your Instagram. Uh, but yeah, it's my name, Mirela Kardashevich. So it's it's just you know just that, <laughs> okay. nothing else. Cool. And the website is mirelakardashevich.com. So basically, my name and last name. <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll add that to the show notes when the episode comes uh-huh. out. Okay. What keeps you diving, Morella? What keeps me diving is uh, the love for this sport. You know, um, I just love what I'm doing. It's my passion. So I really, really enjoy it. It's not, you know, but the money because there's no money really free diving. So I really love it and the feeling and the, the silence, the community and everything that goes with it. So I really love it. Yeah, the community is uh, is probably one thing that resonates with with all the freedivers that we speak to that that yeah. uh that uh yeah the people in in the freediving world um yeah they're all amazing yeah mm-hmm. well that was really awesome thank you for taking the time and and sharing your your knowledge and and your experiences uh, and telling mm-hmm. us a little bit about yourself um really appreciate that no uh, thank you for inviting me <laughs> it was a pleasure to talk to you <laughs> Well, I really want to thank Marilla for joining us. It was an awesome interview, and thanks for doing that one-on-one, Nick. I know it's uh, hard, especially getting those uh, getting those folks over in Europe to you know times line up and availability and all that kind of stuff. So we uh, we definitely definitely appreciate you doing that interview, and we really appreciate having Marilla on the show. It was a yeah, it was a fun interview with another great freediver. Yeah, and it's cool. It's probably the f- first time we've talked to like somebody that's competed professionally in, in the pool disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I believe it's our first world record holding freediver on the dive in the podcast. So that's pretty cool as well. Yeah, that is really, cool. that is really cool. It's uh, it's, it's one of those things that's weird to think about, uh, just people not having access to depth training on a regular basis, you know, yep. Yep. it's, uh, you know, you think about those crazy 40 plus meter pools in places like Poland and stuff. And, and then you think about these people wanting to free dive deep, but just literally not being able to. And that makes a lot of sense for those crazy pools. When people talk freediving, it's uh, most of the time, you know, they think of it in the ocean. They don't realize that the pool disciplines are, are an entire sport in their own. It's really huge in Europe, far more than mm-hmm. the North America, but uh, there's, there's definitely a lot going on there. And yeah, she's an awesome diver and got some awesome dives, uh, world records behind her. And I'm sure she's going to have a lot more. So excited to see and follow her progress. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing that, Nick. And I guess let's head right back over to you with tonight's Think Blue segment. Thanks, Justin. Um, so this is uh, the only segment, Think Blue segment that we have before uh, World Ocean Day. So we wanted to talk about World Ocean Day uh 2021 and it was first proposed by canada the earth summit in 92 and it's a day that uh, the world ocean day website um describes as 
a day where people everywhere can cel- get together, celebrate, and take the actions for our shared oceans, which connects us all. And uh, obviously during COVID, staying connected is a little bit of a challenge. Um, but for us divers, you know, every day should really be an ocean day. Um, and we should take, you know, conscious part in our actions uh, and do everything we can to work towards better oceans. And we've talked a lot about that uh, on this segment over the past year. So leading up to World Ocean Day 2021, which is June 8th, I have some ideas that people can do. Um, and then that gives them a, quite a bit of range of things they can do, you know, what, depending which part of the world they're at, whether they can socially distance or get together. Um, the first one would be to visit worldoceanday.org. So if you're a diver, you can actually download uh planning event toolkit so if you want to host an event whether virtually or not or in person you can uh, head on over there and uh, think about planning an event so you got some time it's uh, still may um, or you can find an event that's being planned near you on that website as well uh, for divers here locally in nova scotia there's oceans week uh, ca um, where you can find and contribute to events for oceans week halifax um, sorry for oceans week hfx uh, which is being held June 4th of, to the 13th, 2021. Uh, and it's going to be virtual, so you can actually join in from wherever you're at in the world. But they actually have planning sessions going on now. So if you can go on the website, you can actually help plan an event. Uh, and just before the pandemic, Oceans uh, Week Halifax was the world's largest ocean, one of the world's lar- largest ocean day events. So that's a pretty big deal. And the last thing uh, that you can do is you can donate an ocean conservation charity. And I'm going to offer two suggestions. Um, one uh, would be the Marine Animal Response Society here in the Maritime. So again, for sort of divers in Canada slash the East Coast, you can donate, uh, you can volunteer, or you can call in sightings or strandings via the hotline. Um, and then you can go to marineanimals.ca for details. Um, <clears throat> volunteering, I think volunteering right now with them is a little bit tricky because of, of our latest COVID measures, but they're always looking for volunteers. They've got great training, lots of stuff you can learn and do. And the last one, uh, one that's close to my heart, is an organization called Ocean Spirits, which focuses on sea turtle conservation and education in in Grenada. Uh, I used to head up the organization years ago, and I'm sort of an informal advisor to them now. Um, the pandemic has been really tough on small NGOs like Ocean Spirits, um, you know, in the Caribbean and elsewhere, that depend on this model where you pay as a volunteer to go take part in research and conservation. And that money actually helps pay for local staff, for equipment, for education programs. And obviously because travel has been disrupted, you know, it's, it's hugely affected. A lot of small NGOs like that, that depend on that. So you can go to oceanspirits.org and click the support tab uh, and you can help there either by donating actual cash, uh, which is always helpful for small charities because then they can direct those funds uh, best the best way they know how. You can buy a t-shirt uh, or you can buy something off their wish list, which they have a list there that say, hey, this is the kind of stuff we might need for field work um, or, you know, or summer education camps or things like that. So those are two charities I can vouch for, quote unquote, if you want to direct some funds there for World Ocean Day. So June 8th is World Ocean Day. Uh, you can join in celebrations in your local community with the suggestions here. Uh, and if you haven't uh, already, make every day an ocean day in your life. Well, Ocean Oceans Week is always a huge thing here in Halifax for sure. Yeah, thanks for sharing yeah. all that. Yeah. And maybe somebody, a diver out there somewhere else, will start uh, Oceans Week wherever they're at. Yeah, no, Oceans Week. I don't know. London. There's lots of divers over there. Yeah, we've interviewed half of them. I think. <laughs> when you guys get on the ball, no, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, kind of. 
They, uh, we just lost our entire. We just UK lost our whole UK following. They're all. They're like, no, forget uh, that, uh, Justin. You're you dead uh, to us. Justin the jerk. <laughs> Justin the jerk. All right. Well, thanks again, Nick, for that. And uh, we have another segment coming up from our other host, April. April, what do you got for us on Dive Girls Around the World this week? This week on Dive Girls Around the World, I'm going to tell you guys about Zale Pari. So she was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, She started her diving career in the 1940s as a young girl. She moved to California and started working for Douglas Aircraft Company, and she became involved in pioneer diving and scientific work in Sports Illustrated magazine. And she was also on the cover of the May 23rd, 1955 issue. She went on to set a new deep diving record for women while testing the Hope Page non-return valve mouthpiece in open water. She helped to build California's first civilian hyperbaric chamber and was the first woman to complete a 300-meter test dive. She also made her screen debut in Kingdom of the Sea, which was a show in 70 countries and had a successful run of several years. She also appeared in the show Sea Hunt as a stunt double, but she did appear as an actress in a few episodes. On top of her acting career, she is also an accomplished photographer and writer. She co-founded the International Underwater Film Festival that ran for 17 years, and in 1960, she was the first elected woman president of the Underwater Photographic Society. She wrote the book Scuba America Volume 1, The Human History of Sport Diving in America, which is now available as an ebook. There you go, Nick. Another book recommendation this week for you. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're just going to have to take over this. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Some of the awards she has received are the NOGI Award for Distinguished Services, DEMA's Reaching Out Award, the Women's Scuba Association Scuba Diver of the Year Award, and the Los Angeles Parks and Recreation Education Award. In 2002, she was inducted into the Cayman Island International Diving Hall of Fame, and she received the Beneath the Sea Diver of the Year Award. She's also been a strong supporter of the Women's Diver Hall of Fame since its inception in 1999. I could literally go on for another five minutes about this woman's accomplishments because they were endless, but overall, Really, really, really awesome woman this week. That's cool. She's got a lot, uh, lot going on there, or she's done a lot. What a neat career! And uh, yeah, testing that that mouthpiece—that uh, was the uh, first mouthpiece on a on a double hose regulator that didn't flood the loop if you drop the mouthpiece out of your mouth underwater. Oh, so yeah. it's kind of an important step in safety Absolutely. there for sure. Yeah, no, it was cool. Her resume must be like fifteen pages long. Mm-hmm. She is, uh, she's also, she's 88 and also lives in California. So maybe we'll have to get her and uh, Dottie on an episode together. She's probably got an Instagram. Let's, let's find see. her. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All right, April. Thanks for that. Another great dive girl around the world. And uh, yeah, I guess that puts us at the end of this week's episode. Another one in the books. Another one in the books. Another. Oh, she doesn't uh, have an Instagram, another... but she does have a hashtag. Oh, and there we go. We can we can tag her and see if we can get yeah. her hooked in. <laughs> so, 
Awesome. Well, I want to thank Morelli again for joining us on the episode. It was a, it was a pleasure and uh, having her on the show and really uh, look forward to seeing uh, what, what world record she takes over next. So, um, yeah, Nick, thanks for doing that. And thanks for doing the interview. Thanks for being on tonight. Uh, pleasure and fun as always. <laughs> and uh, April, thank you for everything. Yep. Thanks for having me. I'm always, uh, always happy to be here. Always happy to have you. And Amit, last but not least, thank you. Been a slice, man. I'll be back anytime. Oh, wait. Yeah, I'm back all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all be here. Same bad time, same bad channel. Nice. Don't forget, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash dive in pod and get some fun rewards for doing so. You can also visit our website, diveinpod.com for all the links you need episodes merch and so much more you can follow me on all the social medias at i dive okay i'm at april wickard i'm at nicholas winkler photography next week we speak to joanna makudovich joanna is the owner of one of the caribbean's largest technical diving companies dive tech in grand cayman that'll be fun this week's episode of the podcast was brought to you by our sponsor torpedo ray scuba you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. Reviews are one of the best ways to help others find the podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>